greatest gift, what they were talking about, what the narrator was speaking of as well, the greatest gift of all is just Jesus himself, the presence of God in our life. We talked about that last week as we began this new series of messages on the missing gifts of Christmas. But this morning, I want to talk to you about something else the narrator stressed, and that was the forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness that God offers to all of us, because the reason why he came, got his hands dirty, got, a, got his hands in the dirt, you might say, and became one of us, flesh and blood, is so 33 and a half years later, he could die on the cross for our sins. The Bible says it this way, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, translated means God with us. God came to be with us because, because of sin, we were no longer like him. We were beyond his reach. So he reached down to us. Why? Well, when he was talking to Joseph, the angel was talking to Joseph that day. He also said this, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, meaning Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, when you're talking about Jesus coming and a shadow of the cross hanging over that cradle, that manger scene, and you think about the fact that Jesus died for you, you have to have a purpose behind it for it to have real meaning to you. For example, if, if, I, if you were coming out of a burning car and uh, the, after a car wreck and you were kind of laying on the ground and I looked down and said, look, here's how much I love you. And I ran into that burning car and it exploded. And you can think to yourself, wow, that was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Why did he run into the car? It was empty. There's nobody there. Well, there's no purpose for that. But if they, you looked up at me and said, my baby, my baby, it, he's still in the car. And then I ran in to save your baby. Then there would be a purpose. There'd be a proving there, an acknowledgement there that I love the baby and I love you. Jesus didn't just come just to merely die to prove his love for us. He died proving his love for us because why we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness, as uh, Pastor Charles Stanley once said, is a setting someone free from an obligation to you that you can never pay. Now, think about that just for a moment. All those are kind of economic terms. Forgiveness is complicated. When you think about it, God, in eternity past, said, let there be light. Boom, it was light. Let there be life. It was life. But the one thing that we get from Scripture that didn't happen right away was forgiveness. He waited many, many, many centuries, and then he sent Jesus Christ in the full, the Bible says the, the right time, the fullness of time, to die on the cross for our sins. So it didn't come easy. Forgiveness doesn't come easy to us either. And we can see that as an illustration of what God has gone through. For example, Forgiveness is downward to you, inward to yourself, and then outward to others. And so it's really three-dimensional, and it's difficult in every single step. So this morning, we just want to look at two things very quickly. One is the problem that we face, and then secondly, we want to see the pattern that we find with Jesus as he uh, suffered and died for our sins. So first of all, the problem that we face, that is just simply a question. Why do we need it? Well, forgiveness, as I said, is inward to yourself. And so there's two reasons, basically, why we need it as far as our earthly life is concerned. One is the feelings of guilt that we have. Now, it used to be 100 years ago, when you felt guilty, it was a sign of sanity. It's a sign maybe even of maturity. 
But today we want to downplay that. You know, people don't want to go to church because they might feel guilty. They don't want to read the Bible. They might feel guilty. They don't want to remember the past. They might feel guilty. So we kind of run from that. And psychology today might tell us that it's because of something in the past. You know, your parents did this to you or a job did that to you or something. Society is, is designing you in such and such a way. And so there are feelings of guilt. Now, I love what Tim Keller has said when he said, feelings of guilt aren't just feelings. There's an inner voice that tells us of disapproval. There's an accountability voice within our head, and it cries out for relief. And it takes almost a life of its own. So guilt must be dealt with, because if you don't deal with wrongdoing, you can't really have a civilization. You can't have civilized life without justice being involved. So there's feelings of guilt. We have difficulties getting over those. Secondly, there's forgiving of others. We can see this not only inward to ourselves, but outward to others. Um, in Luke chapter 17, in fact, I just want to finish the message in this passage. It says in verse 3, Jesus said, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, you turn and to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, how do the disciples respond to that? Here's what they said. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Basically, they were saying, God, you just didn't give us enough faith for that. There's no way I can. They were living in poverty. They were living in persecution. They had a difficult time all around them. And because of that, they had a difficult time, just like you and I have a difficult time of, for, of forgiving people. Now, why do we have such a difficult time? Well, the word forgiveness really comes from uh, an English word where we get our word uh, wrath, and the wrath English word comes from twisted or distorted. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many be become defiled. Now, nobody here likes to admit they're bitter. When I counsel people, I said, you know, what you're going through now is bitterness. No, I I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter, but you're bitter. Because what bitterness is, is prolonged anger. It gets into the very heart and soul of what's going on. You repeat over and over again those same things that's happened to you. Why? Because they cost you something. Why is it so difficult to forgive someone? Because it, it's costly to forgive. You see, forgiveness is really an economic type of term. They used it in the Bible times and Greek times of, uh, of economy. And so you've heard this said before, oh, you owe me something. He owes me. Why does he owe you? Because he's offended you. So when you're offended, you automatically like sin creating a deficit in God's economy. Something's happened to you and you've suffered for it. Maybe they've said something about you that's cost you something, cost you a job, cost you uh, the affections of a family member. Maybe someone has given drugs to or sold drugs to one of your children. It's cost you something. It's cost you not in currency as far as money is concerned. The currency here is pain. And when someone offends us, what do we want? We want them to experience pain. You know, you rejoice a little bit when they, they have failings. You rejoice a little bit when something happens to them that uh, uh, maybe, uh, you know, it the, 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 seems like the wrath is coming down upon them. You feel kind of justified. Again, we get our English word here, twisted or distorted. Or, and we also get, by the way, a, a word, English word, wraith, 
W-R-I-T-E-T-H, which means ghost. And so when we're offended and it costs us something and we feel like we're having to pay for it and pay for it and pay for it, it's like a ghost, a spirit that dwells with us. We repeat over the stories over and over. We twist the stories a little bit. Uh, all of a sudden, we come out a lot better than the original story. We make up our own truth. It goes on and on and on because it's like a ghost that follows us around. Corey Tim Boom was a, um, a prisoner of war in World War II. Her, and her sister Betsy were uh, hiding Jewish people in their home. They were arrested for it, and they were sent to Ravensburg prison. And uh, her, her sister Betsy actually died in prison. Now, maybe you've heard of Corrie Tim Boone. She was an author. She traveled uh, the world telling her story about World War II. But she said, in telling her story in one church, she was in the church telling them about forgiveness and how how difficult it was, but how necessary it was, and how she had forgiven the people, the soldiers and all. And lo and behold, you know what happened, right? Someone that was in Ravensburg was actually in the audience, came up to her, and he said, Fraulein, isn't it so wonderful that I've been saved since the war, and God has forgiven me of all my sin, and as you have forgiven me as well. And he put his hand out. She said... Immediately, she recognized him as being one of the biggest persecutors in the prison. One of the reasons why her sister died. And she said, my hands were to my side. I could not lift up my hand to shake his. And I remembered everything that I had been preaching and talking about. And she said, oh God, there's no way that I can forgive this man. Jesus, I call on your forgiveness. Help me through the blood of Jesus to forgive him. And she said her hand was raised. He took her hand. She said it was like an electrical current running through her. She felt something running through her body, through her hand onto his. Total forgiveness in her heart. And you say, wow, I'm not Corey Timboom. You know, I, I'm not, I'm like one of the disciples. Lord, I'm going to need a lot more faith for that. And so how do we get forgiveness? Well, the same way that Jesus has forgiven us. We get over feelings of forgiveness and we forgive others by looking at the example of what Jesus has done for us. Now, as we look at this passage, I'm going to look at three things on the pattern and we're going to close. Number one, you must identify with the offender. Someone has offended you. Look what happens in verse three. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, it's still your brother. It's still your brother in Christ. He's still going to be going to heaven. If you don't deal with it here, you're going to have to deal with it in heaven. Identify with him. That's what we talked about last week. The Bible says his name shall be called Emmanuel. It's God with us. We said that God was separated from us after the, after the fall. And we are no longer like God. He is beyond us. That's the whole reason why they had the Old Testament temple and the Old Testament sacrifice. And only the priest could go into the presence of God. God even told Moses that if you look upon my face, you're going to die. All these things, no access to God at all. Why? Because we were separated from him. And Jesus Christ came and identified with us. I... Uh, my wife and I had an experience this past week, and um, I opened up my front door, and a bird flew into the house. 
And we have the, that vaulted ceiling, you know, and, and the upstairs, and the upstairs have, has no door going upstairs to, to uh, close things off. So he flew around downstairs. He was on the floor. He was on the kitchen table. He was, he was up on the blinds. He was up upstairs. I chased him upstairs. I had him cornered. But I thought, now that I got him cornered, what am I going to do with him? You know, how am I going to catch this thing? And he's got that beak on him, you know, that, that I wasn't too crazy about. But we opened up the doors, and we tried to shoo him toward the door. I had that box. I was banging on it, you know, trying to get him. And I thought to myself, get out the door. There's freedom. There it is. Now, we eventually got him out, uh, by the way, by putting a box over him. But I, I say that because so many people came to me after the first service and said, you didn't finish that story about the bird. You know, did you get him out of the house? And we did get him out. But during the time, I thought to myself, Wow. To really get this bird to fly out of here on its own, I'd have to be able to communicate with a bird. In order to communicate with a bird, I'd have to become a bird. I'd have to become a bird, speak the bird language, and, and say, hey, look, follow me. You want freedom? Follow me. Come on. But I couldn't become a bird. But when God, trying to identify, attempting to identify with man, has come to this earth to be like one of us. He identified with us. But secondly... You must inwardly pay the price. As I said, sin is a deficit in God's economy, and it's a deficit toward the offender. He owes me. He owes me. What is the currency? It's pain. Again, forgiveness is an economic term. And if I owe you $1,000, and I don't pay you, and you come to me and say, look, Pastor, I, I know you're going through some hard times, so uh, I'm just going to forgive the $1,000. I'm going to forgive that debt. You don't owe it to me at all. I'm going to say, well, thank you very much. But it, but it costs you $1,000. See, it costs you something. Somebody's got to pay the debt. And so if I don't pay you back, then you must suffer the loss of that $1,000. When we're forgiving someone else, it costs us pain. And it is it's painful. You begin to look at it, and you say, well, I'm going to go and, and, and tell this person that I forgive them for what they've done to me. And you go, and they look at you and say, I haven't done anything to you. It's painful. Or you go back, and you apologize to them, and you expect them to apologize back to you. And they don't. Painful. Something's happened in your life. Maybe you, something happened to you as a child, and it's a horrible thing. And for you to carry around that burden all your life, it's costing you something, but if you forgive the person that hurt you, it costs you the pain. It costs them nothing. Jesus came and suffered the pain for us as he died on the cross for our sins. He not only identified with us, but he suffered and died on the cross, paying for our sins. You see, it's, it's not just, oh, you know, God looks down and says, oh, don't worry about it. I forgive you. Would you do that? Somebody has molested you as a child, hor most horrible thing I can probably possibly think of. And you go up to that person, ah, don't worry about it, no problem. No, you wouldn't. It's a very serious, hurtful, painful action. And every time we have sinned against God, it's been a hurtful, painful action. And someone had to pay for that. Here's what happened. Jesus Christ died on the cross. John Stott, the theologian, has said it best. He says, the essence of sin is us substituting ourselves for God, being the God of our own life. 
He says the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us, which was on the cross. Colossians 2, Paul puts it this way. The Apostle Paul, you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh. That, in other words, you, know, you, you, were, you were outside of God. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trans- trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he laid aside, nailing it to the cross. Hard to forgive. God placed himself in our place, paid the penalty for our sin. Then thirdly, you ingrain the gift of forgiveness in your soul. You feel forgiven. You receive, you receive it. You enjoy it. Here's what the Bible says about our sin once we receive Christ. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions for us, from us. And the east and west, of course, never meet. You say, well, how do I feel that forgiven? How? Two things as we close. Number one, to the degree that you see the magnitude of your own sin is the degree that you're going to feel the forgiveness in your heart. Now, I know the society says something totally different. Listen, you need to minim- they say you need to mem- minim- minimize your sin. It's not that bad. Everybody's doing it. Don't worry about it. Don't feel guilty about it. No. The Bible says get a grip on the fact of how you've broken the heart of God. Two of the friends I had in, in college, one was a close friend. One was kind of a, um, just lived on our hall. I heard his testimony. I heard my friend's testimony. My friend... Um, I, I started knowing him two years into his Christian life, and he was one of the most mature Christians I'd met. Two years. And I've never met anybody with more love for Jesus than him. But I heard his story and how he had, um, what he had done even to churches and synagogues where he lived before he was saved. And he said, I think I love Jesus so much because I was so far gone, and God saved me from the depths. It makes sense. The Bible even says, hey, if you forgive somebody that owes you 10 bucks, they're going to like you. You give somebody, forgive somebody that owes you a million dollars, you're going to love them a lot more. The more you feel forgiven, the more you're going to really feel forgiven. Secondly, it's also to the extent to the degree, not only that you see the magnitude of your sin, but also the magnitude of the sacrifice. Jesus suffered and died on the cross. And he hung there on the cross, and the blood came from his brow and from his hands and from his feet. He cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And at that point, he took on your sins and mine. And the Father turned his back on the Son because he cannot stand to look upon sin. The magnitude of Jesus' sacrifice for you. Stories told, supposedly 1935, on the river Mississippi. And um, a man ran a drawbridge. Back in the day, they didn't have technology. You had to do everything manually. He took his five-year-old son to work with him one day to kind of show him what daddy did for a living. Well, he saw a boat coming. He knew he'd have to run up the ladder, so he ran up the ladder as quick as he could go. He raised up the drawbridge in time for the boat to pass through. 
But then he heard a train coming around the bend. And he knew that he would have to get the, the bridge down very quickly in order for the train to pass through safely. How do you passenger train at that? But he looked down, he heard the screams of his child, and he looked down, and his child, five-year-old son, was caught in the gears of the drawbridge. And he knew if he lowered the bridge, his son would die to save the people on the train. But if he didn't, all the people on the train would perish. Well, the, as the story goes, he lowers the drawbridge. He heard the, hears the screams of his son, his last breaths. And as the people on that passenger train passed by, a few of them saw him and they just kind of waved. Most of them just ignored it, never realizing the sacrifice that man made for their lives. The difference in the story between that story and the story of the cross is that little boy was not a volunteer. Jesus volunteered to die on the cross to bring justice to your life in order that you and I, you, could know God. So you can be forgiven. He paid the ultimate price. So what about you today? Would you let another Christmas go by without knowing for sure that Jesus Christ lives in your heart? If you would like to receive Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. Now, the words are important, but it's not like a, a magic formula. You're just simply opening up your heart to God and saying, God, I know the sacrifice you made. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I need saving. And I know that you're God and you are worth following. And so I want to be with you. And so as I pray this prayer out loud, I'm going to challenge you maybe to pray it silently with me. You could pray it out loud, but silently was good. Asking Christ to come into your life and into your heart that you can really celebrate Christmas really in the right way for the very first time. Let's pray together with heads bowed and eyes closed. Here's the prayer. Lord God, thank you for your love. And thank you that even though I was a sinner living my own life, you died for me. I ask you to forgive me of everything that I've ever done. I ask you to come into my heart and my life. Help me to follow you as you are worthy. You are so worthy of my love and so worthy of following. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.